Welcome to episode number 37 of the Video Game History Hour, presented by the Video Game History Foundation. Every episode, we'll be bringing in an expert guest or guests, someone who's done their research or lived through it and has an interesting story from video game history to tell. My name is Kelsey Liu, and I'm the co-director of the Video Game History Foundation, and I'm here, as always, with Frank Cifaldi, the founder and co-director of the Video Game History Foundation. Our guests today are video game documentarians Grace Kramer and Derek Alexander from Stop Skeletons from Fighting. They're here today to talk to us about the Nokia N-Gage, having recently published a documentary which is available on YouTube called N-Gage, Cell Phone Gaming's First Big Flop. I guess that was a big spoiler for the conversation we're about to have. Uh, Grace, Derek, thank you for joining us on the Video Game History Hour. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, hello. So let's just start right off. I mean, when we're talking about the N-Gage, I mean, everyone in this room is familiar with it, but you know, what, are, what, is, what is it we're talking about here? Well, I don't know that it's uh, much of a spoiler to talk about as a flop, because I feel like it's kind of famous for existing and being kind of bad slash a failure. Um, but I've always said that, you know, you, history is written by successes and failures. Uh, and so I, I like tend I tend to like failures and sort of interesting uh, uh, stories from that. And so um, even though this video that we made and also this conversation might be kind of you know trending towards the negative aspect of it i still find what uh nokia did really interesting i do think though we have to have a small disclaimer that i believe mm. more in the native uh european uh areas of the world is pronounced nokia some people in the okay. comments who were uh perhaps a tiny bit miffed i don't know i can't speak they seem to suggest that perhaps nokia is not how they would prefer it i just mm. want to acknowledge that you can say it both ways, but I think because we're a bunch of, I don't want to make, we're a bunch of ganks hanging out in this podcast. <laughs> can confirm. We're probably going to say Nokia. That's how they localized it. That's That That's, was their choice, not was ours. The yeah, it was the commercial. It's their world. We're just living in it. <laughs> exactly. I can't, well, I don't, I can't help Nokia. it. I don't know. I've never heard a Finnish person pronounce it, so I can't say for sure what that i mean that would be the correct pronunciation right but nokia just sounds like the way a british person would pronounce nokia right right like that's just the british accent applied to the word nokia i suppose or, I, I mean or nokia is the american accent applied to the word nokia i don't know it doesn't yeah. matter to me it well, sounds like the mix between a cough and a sneeze just like nokia <laughs> <laughs> like that well, in in the spirit of of that, um, perhaps we should re-record Kelsey's intro for our Italian uh, listeners and refer to me as Franco Cifaldi. <laughs> uh, um, and unfortunately, like Guy, F- wait, hmm? crap! I don't remember how to pronounce Guy Fieri's name. Oh no! In actual Italian, no, oh. he he's uh, like Fieri. Oh, and, uh, Fieri. 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 Yeah, yeah, yes, he, yes. yeah. Because he'll kind of put like a T or a D into it, and I'm like. And I, I've never studied Italian, so I'm like, why do they say that? When he introduces himself, that's apparently how he likes to be. It's oh. fiet, fieri. I kind of know him as an entity that exists, not really something that I <laughs> interact with, to be really honest. Yeah, it's that's fair. The More Engage. Of a brand. Anyway. Like the Engage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the basically the Engage was the first big uh, chance to bridge, the first big attempt, rather, to bridge cell phones and games together. And uh, I think really the fascinating thing about it is um, 
it came out in 2003. They announced it in 2002. At the time, you know, the uh, Game Boy Advance was, you know, doing very well. Um, Snake and other things were kind of appearing on cell phones. Uh, uh, Nokia saw that there was a revenue stream there. Um, they saw Nintendo was making a lot of money with the Game Boy Advance. And they went, we can compete with this Game Boy Advance. And to be fair, I would say that the Engage does do uh, does deliver on a handful of games, stuff that cannot be done on the Game Boy Advance. Unfortunately, by the time the, the Engage came out, uh, the DS and PSP were like well on their way. And by 2004, both those things were like basically between 2004, and 2005, those things dropped. And not only that, the GBA SP had come out by the time the Engage had come out. Um, the device itself was not really that well made. Uh, and they, it, it was really a flop even before it came out. Even the the public uh, release uh, unveiling of it wasn't good. However, because Nokia at the time was selling a billion cell phones, they were an incredibly successful company. Unlike a lot of flops, the Engage just never died. Well, and and, and that's this the seven year, seven eight year uh, uh, streak that this thing had uh, is is amazing. Well, if I can just interject real quick, yeah. So Nokia was such a massive company at the time, like, you know, moving billions of units of prof like product mm-hmm. of their cell phones. To me, like sort of the closest modern day analog is when um, Google announced that they were going to do Stadia or Stadia. I can't. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce depends, that either. Depends on which country we're in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, if and anyone out there is really like trying to correct people on Stadia, pick a better battle. If that's the best you got. <laughs> well, no, that's my bad. That's my bad. Okay, I should whatever. I should know. Is that even around anymore, too? Is, it is. It is. Okay. It right. is, yeah. And so it's kind of when they announced it, you know, I you could reasonably be like, well, Google has a lot of money, so like maybe <laughs> yeah. this could work. Mm-hmm. And then it just, you know, just a resounding flop, like dead on arrival. Yeah, yeah. Kind of situation. I'm just going to go ahead and do a strike through on the last line of my notes, which says the spirit of the end gauge is alive in the stadia. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sorry. But, um, so but, it, but only if, if seven years from now, the stadia still exists in some capacity. Can right. You really? Like, I mean, I, I, you're totally right, Frank, but like to, to, to be fair to the end gauge, mm-hmm. the, the, the incredible shelf life that it had unprecedented, and utterly fascinating. The, I mean, I I could totally see Stadia still being around in seven years. Though though Google is really good at killing, like they've made like mm-hmm. a million messaging services that have yeah. just they've just killed off. Mm-hmm. Like they, I could see them potentially killing. Just they haven't officially <laughs> yet, but it's it's more or less yeah. kind of like on its way out. Or who knows? Well, anyway. so so was the engage in year two? Um, yeah, yeah. But so that's we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So. Um, in the documentary, uh, Derek, you, you, I think, described the N-Gage very well. Uh, you say the little device that saw the future but couldn't deliver it. Yeah, I, I, I've always liked Cassandra characters, so to speak. We've done a lot of uh, uh, stuff about Keiji Inafune, who worked at Capcom and went on to do a little game called Mind Number 9. Perhaps you've forgotten about it. But a, a lot of what he was like saying um, before he left Capcom was like, you know, man, you know, Japan needs to start doing more uh, to, to change its its you know its its direction. Look at what the U.S. is doing, 
and you know understanding hey people want a Mega Man game so I'll make my own I think it's kind of fascinating when people look at trends and they know which way the wind is blowing they see how things are going but then they can't use that information to really uh, capitalize on it and I mean it's so crazy to look at what also what Don Matrick was talking about with the connect you know he's like we got to get rid of the phone uh, we got to get rid of the controller. If we had, you know, motion controls and stuff like that, that would be uh, so much better. And he wasn't exactly wrong because look at what happened with iPhones and uh, you know iPods and iPads, rather. Android and just touchscreen. Exactly. General. Yeah, touch. It wasn't quite the same as what the Kinect was doing, but he was sort of right with the idea of like that is a barrier, and we can introduce gaming to more people if we get rid of that barrier. And then if you look at like also yeah, Angry Birds and the like. I mean, it's like like Fortnite and those types of games do incredibly well on phones. Um, and so this idea of having phones play games, like they were totally right, but they just couldn't quite make it work because the, te- the technology wasn't there. Well, and also they were interested, like targeting a hardcore gaming audience as well, which is really yeah. different from it was before, what, you know, what happened with Candy Crush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Before like Wii Sports and stuff like that, they weren't trying to go after your grandpa with a cool bowling game, they were like, "Yo, check out Tomb Raider," uh, which I think on paper, yeah, this seems cool to have like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater in your pocket. But I mean, it was 2003, and you know, that wasn't Pokemon. By the way, disclaimer: we have played Tony Hawk Pro Skater on the Engage, and it was made possible by Kelsey Lewin. Yes. Oh yeah, that's true. We do have. Yeah, we are borrowing your copy. Yeah. And do you, you still have, have that? Did you give yes. that back yes. to me? Okay. No. We we haven't I, gotten it back. I don't miss it. It's okay. It, back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is ours now. We kept it safe. It is. It, it will get back to you though. Now that we're done with the uh, <laughs> with the videos, we really have no use for it anymore. So we'll buy so, our own copy. Okay. So I mean, what you guys are getting at here is, um, I mean, I think you summarized it pretty well in the video, which is that what they were marketing was a video game system that happened to be a phone. But what Nokia was as a company was a phone company. So it was more of a phone that was trying to be a video game console. Can you explain kind of what you meant by that? It's form factor time. Oh man. (laughs) It's uh, well, where do I start? Okay. So as I say in the video, they would have you believe that this is a game system, but the original version of the Engage to change the games uh, you had to remove the backplate, remove the battery, and then slide the game cartridge from there, and then put and then and then put the put the battery back in, close the case, and then of course turn the system back on, which took a few minutes, and then launch the game, which didn't have a direct launch game button. Uh, and to be honest, like the D pad is kind of squishy; it's not great, um, and it just it, it was kind of a it was always like on paper. But execution is everything, right? Uh, and- well, and the other weird thing too is even as like a cell phone, even if we're we're saying okay, Nokia, you're making a game system, quote unquote game system, it's secretly a cell phone. But then they botch the dismount on the cell phone aspect as well. Yeah, by making the I'm I'm holding a cup to my face like a big the taco phone yeah the side the side talking the side, side talking. talking instead of holding the phone flat against your face uh the earpiece is actually on the side and people have pointed out that actually the speaker was still strong enough you could hold the phone flat against your face and still probably hear the person uh, that was talking however it was still marketed as you're supposed to hold it sticking out like you got a big ear 
Um, and that was just immediately like everyone made a joke of it. There is still side side talking dot com. Uh, it was like kind of like was, dot net dot net. Is it? That's oh. how long ago it was. Oh. <laughs> it was producer Grace with the say. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was like one of the first internet memes. So it was just like it came out. Uh, it botched the dismount on it being a game system and a phone. It was just you could make I, an argument for the side talk. Okay, devil's advocate. Oh, we so, love those. And I have <laughs> so I I have a you know, 60 year old mother who has this problem where she'll be like playing games on her phone and then I'll, I'll call her and she, when she puts the phone to her face, she immediately like breaks her combo. Like the phone is not good at turning the screen off or whatever. Yeah. It's really annoying. <laughs> and so like, maybe that was what they were trying to do is they're like, Oh no, you're in the middle of like fighting a bear in tomb Raider. You don't want to like Accidental. accidentally unpause or, you know, play I that mean, terrible bu- version of Bubble Bobble, Puzzle Bobble. Yeah. And, you know, it let was, the computer win. It, it was, sometimes all you have is your reputation and they came out of the <laughs> gate and people were just immediately like, you, you know, it's like you, you, you make a joke and it, if it catches on with people, it's like, sort of like if you're a comedian and uh, somebody heckles you and that heckle gets more laughs than you were, then you've lost the audience. You, you, your job as the comedian in that moment is to make sure you get a bigger laugh than the heckler. And so when you come out with a product and someone makes a joke of it, if you can't correct that joke quickly, that's your reputation. Um, and they just like, there was, we, we couldn't find footage of it. Uh, but there was all these people that wrote up about the uh, 2003 press conference reveal of the engage and all these talks about how there's just no applause, dead silence, <laughs> uh, like gameplay demos running in a single, uh, a single digit um, frame rates. Uh, apparently there was a rap. They started, they started it off with it, with apparently the engage rap. They got a bunch of people out, started spitting hot fire about the engage. Uh, again, if any historians out there, if anybody out there, if anybody out there has footage of the 2003 engage release. Yeah. We got to find the lost engage rap. It has to be it, put it in the yeah. museum, <laughs> make it the center of your museum. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, you look at the device and you can with, with, you know, with this lens of hindsight look at it and be like yeah this almost worked on paper like this seemed like a slam dunk but it's important when you look at these things remember the context yeah and uh, and i think it's worth pausing on that um because you know this isn't this isn't a dumb idea the idea in 2002 2003 of uh combining a cell phone with a video game console i mean kind of Give us the the state of 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 both of those industries at that time, and 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 I think maybe listeners can understand that. Like, okay, yeah, I can I can see there being a a market for combining the two. It's it's kind of like um, how it was such an obvious like light bulb moment when finally they were able to combine like MP3s and phones together in one device, mm-hmm. or even just the iPod being the able iPod, to put. Yeah. Um, you know, all like your entire giant bulky Walkman and your like huge CD binder. Yeah, like Steve Jobs like walks on stage and says, "I, I have a thing that's the size of a deck of cards, and I can put a thousand CDs on it." Which at the at the time in two thousand one, two thousand, I'm not sure exactly when the first iPod came out, but to say how many compact discs you could put on this uh, device that was the size of a, of a deck of cards. I was, remember was like that. That's like ten 
car CD car binder, oh, yeah. like the binders that your friend would have in their car with like all of their like mixtapes that they that made from LimeWire. Yeah, 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 that was me. But with gaming, it also is um, it makes sense. I think it's less of a broad thing as music, obviously, but. If I don't know if you had like God forbid a Game Gear, the giant Game Gear, or <laughs> you, you know, even the Game Boy Advance, it's it's not too big. It's relatively compact, and I think it feels good in your hands. It's but it's not know, bigger phone. than the Engage. It's but it's not it's your a, phone. It's, it's not as useful. Device. Yeah, and also um, another thing too, the Engage has a beautiful bright screen. It like really all cell does. phones, you know, they they have that bright screen. They're easy to use, and it's just the Game Boy itself had a lot of problems it yeah. that could needed to be fixed but also it's like what if your playstation i think is really what they were trying to go for is like your playstation you could just bring it with you you know your gamecube might have the handle on the side but can you put your <laughs> gamecube in your pocket yeah exactly yeah and and you're mentioning the the game boy advance a lot and i think it's also worth pointing out um that when they were talking about you know the end gauge in, in 2003 when they're about to uh announce this thing and unveil it for the first time, there wasn't all of these other competitors that would soon, you know, rapidly yeah, follow it, and bad, make bad this timing. thing look, yeah, not nearly as impressive as it did. Because it looked, I mean, again, against the Game Boy Advance, not like, you know, worlds different than it, but it was, you know, it's competitive. It's like, this is, these are 3D games that play on the screen. And I mean, that's, that feels like a decent competitor, especially when you only have a Game Boy Advance that doesn't have a lit screen. You just have the, mm-hmm. like, I mean, that Game Boy Advance screen is terrible. Yeah. I mean, even the Game Boy Advance SP, which but between, like, the announcement and the unveiling, the SP did drop. But the first SP, I'm sure uh, listeners know this, but, like, they kind of quietly made an SP2, which an even had an, an even brighter screen. And so the original SP, though it had a backlit screen, is Front still light. not... Not that bright, and even like yeah, the the, the Nokia Engage is far brighter than even that was. So it, that's not nothing. Yeah, so it was you know it was competing on high tech. It was um, it was playing literally PlayStation One games in your hand, which yeah. you know was novel. Even though those games were you know like good four years old at that point or something like that. And but as someone who uses my Switch for still playing PlayStation One games, right. sometimes I mean. <laughs> There's some market there. Yeah, <laughs> but your but but your your switch has like real buttons and a joypad and like. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying there might still be a market for people playing. Even in 2003, there might have been a market for people God. playing games that are a few years old. And this again, is this absolutely... is a high tech game device, <laughs> yeah. and also a Nokia cell phone. And Nokia was sort of the king of cell phones at that point. Yeah, and you're getting a lot of you know like Nokia feature like special features that you really wouldn't be standard for like a decade afterwards like being able to send clips of your uh gameplay as like mms messages or having online leaderboards Mm -hmm. or um even some version of online multiplayer though you know that is not something we could personally test yeah and we spoke with the developer apparently was terrible yeah it was uh, apparently the bluetooth multiplayer was good but you could do bluetooth over satellite over cell phone and that was apparently uh awful um, yeah, there is a uh, a a Elder Scrolls game that is exclusive to the Engage, and this developer we spoke to uh, mentioned that at some point this was going to be an eight-player online 
experience. But it was released kind of late enough into the console cycle that they were like, that's not worth the development time. Let's just make it two player. The idea of like... seemed optimistic in (laughs) retrospect. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, exactly. So you're also getting, yeah, it's those features. It's so fascinating when you look at it because you, because most people probably know about the end gate as the side talk, as you got to take the back off and all of that stuff. Uh, but the sales pitch, it was there. You can see why they went for it. And to me, that's just so fascinating because it just, the time wasn't there. The messaging was not there, uh, but they still went for it and stuck with it. And I want to talk about the price point a little bit too, because uh, so th- I mean, yeah, we can talk about the how they unveiled the price point because that was that's a whole story in and of itself. But well, it was a classy um, shot. I don't know if we need to really go into that. Yeah, so. the, but that price point. I mean, it, it was three hundred dollars when they unveiled it, or two ninety nine, mm-hmm. and that sounds like a lot for a handheld. I mean, it sounds like a lot for a handheld, but it's not a lot for a cell phone. It's actually a very standard, very affordable cell phone of the era, right? But I mean, it's mm-hmm. like you make that, like, that, and that, that is an extremely valid point. Kelsey, you're 100% on. Here's the thing is you don't make that unveiling at E3, a game convention. You should make that at like, you know, CES or a computer electronics show. Like you want to go to a tech audience, not a gaming audience. Um, and that was really their mistake. Right. Well, I mean, the price itself was also, I think, a mistake, especially since they were so willing to walk it back like oh, yeah. you know a week after it launched uh, it was it was like 2 weeks or like it was yeah. like something like 15 14 days yeah they um, they slashed it by 100 bucks yeah you know, hang on let's let's i mean let's yeah. not just gloss past that 2 weeks after launch this thing drops one third of its cost so. yeah. that doesn't yeah. look desperate <laughs> at all that's and you, you have to wonder then is that were they also gouging the price a lot did this did, did this device were they still turning a profit on the device at one ninety nine? We don't know, but you would have to it. think that like they're I doubt it too. Hope, hopefully they were making a loss at that point and just trying to get you know brand brand recognition and get it out there. But there is the question of like if they're so easily dropping a hundred bucks off this thing, were they were they gouging it to begin with? Well, don't don't forget that in addition to the actual price of the console, you also are p- paying a monthly mm-hmm. you know. So I, I want to call it a subscription fee, but that's not what they would have called so it back then. Just a cell phone fee. plan. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. You know, you have to, which could be about, probably about $10 a month, which doesn't seem like that much. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we we saw. But, some some uh, deals like in the UK and stuff were like, you know, buy this for a penny and then mm-hmm. get a <laughs> service contract with it. But that's a, that's really expensive for a console like that's not something you're that trying to sell people were comfortable here's a with a device that plays video games you can't have all that extra stuff you just can't because it's or that that's why like you know an apple or an android those things work now because it's a cell phone but you can get games you know it's like it's all just how you present it and it's well i think the difference is again the hardcore market versus the casual market because yeah. i think if you had tried to market it as a cell phone and then you somehow had some like quote unquote casual games. Like I'm not even sure what that would look like in 2003. A decent puzzle bobble. Yeah. A decent version of puzzle bobble. Like, also quick <laughs> aside, uh, they have a game called puzzle bobble versus. So shouts to them for calling up puzzle bobble, which is a Japanese name. They, it's like the one bust a move that was called puzzle bobble, I believe, or one of the very first. And it is without question, one of the worst games I've ever played. 
and you can't believe that you could screw up uh, a puzzle bobble slash bust a move game as badly as they did. Yeah, how but, how do you screw up that game other than just it it's not functioning? Super slow. It's very tiny, and the classic song, the ba ba da ba 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 da ba ba ba. They only play half of that song. So the second part of it goes ba da ba 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 da ba ba da. Never plays. Wow. <laughs> so it is just the. It's a catchy melody, but like just that melody over and over again. And it's just super slow. It's everything. It's just like, how can a bust and move game be running at like single digit frame rates? Well, what's interesting to me talking about that is that that sounds exactly like what I would expect from a downloaded Java game of right. that era on a cell phone. And I suspect that all they did was just straight up put that on a cartridge. Mm-hmm. And charged uh, you know, 30, like 30 to 40. 30 to 40 bucks for it, <laughs> which is a highway robbery, you know, and that's um, and, and but yeah, to, to Grace's point, um, or was it Kelsey? I'm sorry. Somebody made the point. Uh, one of you two made the point that like casual games like that should have been a slam dunk. That Maybe, is exactly- but I think that it being a cartridge and having to put it in. I mean, even yeah, with the yeah. updated version, the, the QD or whatever version of the Engage. Just it being a cartridge, I think you're already kind of um, yeah. making the eyes of the casual audience glaze over a little bit. Yes. And yeah, you're kind of already true. losing them at that point. Because it's also like, what are you going to do? Are you going to pay T-Mobile or whoever to use up valuable space to have like a little rack of <laughs> games that are yeah. going to be next to the phone? Like, how how does this work? And I feel like that part of the logistics was also just sort of not thought through. Well, I mean, it's it's also well that the the bigger thing here is one of the many things that stamped out the engage was the DS, um, and the DS is really where Nintendo kind of invented the casual market or got things. The Wii is really where they hit it, but Nintendogs and Brain Age and the like, uh, the touch screen. They got Beyonce on a commercial. Yeah, exactly. We got rhythm, rhythm fever. It, but yeah, and so I think it. This whole thing was. We're, we, again, we're talking in hindsight. What about the casual market? There wasn't. Yeah, there really wasn't, a and market, and yeah. I just I don't think. I mean, there's no way to market games to like the non-existent casual market. I was going to bring right. this up myself because it's you know it's. Yeah, it, it, it's tempting to go down that route. Like, well, why didn't you just make a fun device for non-gamers? But it's like, well. They're making a video game device. No one's buying video games except for video game players. We barely mm-hmm. even have, you know, the casual games market on computers at this point is still kind of nascent, uh, let alone... The, the Sims, I suppose? Yeah, sure, but I don't... Fair. Yeah. Um, even but, that, but that's on I a mean, device got, you already own. That got own. really hardcore real fast. You know, like, like that's, that the Sims worked because everyone had a computer already. Um, and that's why, you know, cell phone games worked is because everyone has a smartphone. The yeah. games just kind of came along with it, and that's how Candy Crush succeeds. So I don't think they have any choice if they're going this direction except to appeal to the the video game crowd. And I think they were spot on uh, getting stuff like Tomb Raider and Tony Hawk and Rayman and all that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, if um, like if they could have pulled out like original titles, especially for the launch, yeah, like having the ports was is really really cool but that's not really a reason to buy a system yeah the 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 kind of sad 
thing about this is that like it was such a bad launch and they just were never able to recover it because uh they did revamp the system six they, like, six months later less than a year later uh the qd came out and the qd is actually uh um the model that we spent most of our time actually the one that we played uh we couldn't get our original model uh, uh working um but the, the qd is a really solid device there were original games like ashen uh, in particular, was one that I was really impressed with. And again, it had its own Elder Scrolls game. Uh, there is some good stuff uh, on the N-Gage, and the QD was a really solid model, and it was released you know, uh, at $199. When it, was for, it had a $99 rebate when it first came out. It was like eventually slashed to 100 bucks. But the thing is, is like they, they made good on the N-Gage, or made better on the N-Gage as a device, but by the time they did... It it was it was over. It was done. They should have packed it in. You, but you have to admire that they did stick with it for you know a good two years. But it just it was never going to work. And I think that also speaks to them thinking that the games the game market was so so simple and so easy. They just had no idea that uh, Sony or Nintendo was going to make you know PSP and DS came out. Um, very shortly around that were announced around the same time as the, uh, the engage was announced and came out. They just really didn't know that they didn't know this market at all. And had they known it, they probably would have known to wait or to not go yet. But, you know, I think there was a bit of hubris because they were just so gigantic. And even though like the engage flopped, uh, Nokia kind of fell into a decline around that time had nothing to do with the engage. The engage was just like, didn't do well and they're like well that sucks like you know all right we did it two years shut it down it didn't really affect nokia at all if anything it was a symptom of the greater decline that, that was true. happening yeah and the the lack of focus that they had in planning for the future yeah because yeah smartphones and, and the like and stuff they just were not uh they couldn't keep up with what android and apple was uh what they were planning what they were doing so kind of on that same note i want to talk about um what Nokia said their their forecast or their goal was for uh, N-Gage units sold and how that stacked up and then also some context for why why they had the goal they had. Because the goal, I think you said, was they wanted to sell six to nine million in the first mm. year or two. Is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think by the end of year 20, uh, 2004, mm-hmm. just passed because it was launched October 2003. So by Christmas 04, uh, they wanted six to nine million. Well, and they, uh, and they said publicly, like, that is the number that makes this a viable business. It's not just like, this would be nice. It's just like, <laughs> we have to hit 6 million or this business doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time, Nintendo was selling half a million uh, DSs and, you know, in a, a week, you know, that type of thing. And also at the time, uh, I think in 2003, uh, Nokia puts, I forget what the model number is. I, I apologize. But they put out what would become what is still the best selling cell phone in the world, a cell phone that sold a quarter billion units. Um, wow. And so they were, this is in the, the, the time when they are worldwide, absolutely killing it. They're selling, selling so many cell phones. Yeah. We could do six or nine of this little taco thing that plays video games. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, stacked up against that, they're, they're asking for, I mean, I don't even know how to do the math, but I mean like a couple percentage points of what, some of their other cell phone cells. So they're not like, I mean, they obviously did way overestimate what this would do, but yes. it doesn't look that bad on paper. It doesn't look that 
crazy on paper when you put it next to what their other their other it's ones. It's just are like doing. the recurring thing is yeah. like on paper. <laughs> it doesn't sound crazy when you have the context that Nokia is selling, you know, a hundred million, hundred fifty million, two hundred and fifty million. Yeah, of yeah. some of their cell phones, right? And that that, that was kind of the, the fun thing about this story was kind of researching and trying to get that context is because I think a lot of people, if they, if they know about the, the Nokia Engage, they know it's like, oh, that kind of, that was a disaster. But kind of understanding like, why did they make the choices that they did? Um, and I think that's 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 sometimes the, mo- the, 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 the piece is kind of missing on a lot of historical stuff. Because, so- you know, these these markets, these industries are so... They're so wild and so volatile, and studying those little edge cases uh, is so fascinating. And how many units did they actually end up selling? I think charitably, it's around two million total. And a lot of that, those sales actually came from when they expanded into like the into India Mm -hmm. and other parts of Asia, Southeast Asia. Yeah, that that's where they actually I. I believe had the most success. We have uh, it's crazy too because we we mentioned that in the video and we have had a handful of comments and people saying like, "Oh yeah, I remember these were these were like oh my mother in India or wherever. She had an engage for like a decade. That was my first phone, my only phone <laughs> until I finally got, you know, an Android or uh, an iPhone." Oh, that's amazing. And um, you know, they're like some people like watching our video being like, "Really? I had no idea. Everybody loved uh, engage over here." But I mean, that's cool. You're you know, yeah, they sold about, you know, 1.3 million. Most of it was in that uh, region of the world, but that's not that's not even they wanted six to nine million, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's not even close to the low estimate. And I mean, I don't know how much research you did into the engage into those other markets, but at that point, I mean, is it still? Are they still really pushing the game side of it super hard, or is it just a phone at that point? Because yeah, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't say okay. I, I, that's actually, that's a good question. I do wonder that they uh, had a whole bunch of engages, uh, you know, collecting dust in a factory and they just shipped them all out, you know, to uh, out of another part of the world. Well, it didn't even talk about the video game aspect of it. It's like, here's a weird, cool phone. I'm, But I'm sure games were still played on those phones because one of the, another issue we haven't touched on, on at all that really yeah. affected the sales of the engage and what it was, how people thought of it was, uh, piracy was just rampant on the mm. system. It was super easy. Incre- it was so easy to pirate games that apparently, if you if you just had a uh, Symbian OS equivalent normal Nokia phone, you can download Engage games and play it on that. You didn't even need an Engage to play some of these games if you knew how to how to uh, finagle that. Right. You you didn't then get the the D pad and 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 sort of um, GBA like structure of, of playing a game, but <laughs> but you could run the game. Yeah. Um, you would have to think that like when you're getting into video games, you have to have some kind of tech or some kind of lawyer in the room saying, well, we have to make sure that we cross our T's, dot our I's for this type of thing. But right. Cause I, I mean, what you, you really hurt the appeal of the, and, and the legitimacy of the Engage as a video game console when you don't need an Engage to run these games like when yeah. any nokia phone on the same uh operating system works it's like pretending you're a baker but you don't know you have to preheat the oven it's like this if you think if you're in, if you're in this business this is basic stuff right but i guess we we don't have that kind of inside baseball stuff we don't know for sure but you can kind of like from the outside looking in kind of glean like they just were so unprepared and just didn't know how uh 
how big this was and how cutthroat it was and how you got to be on your stuff. I didn't swear. See, that's very good right there. On your mm, stuff. Thank you. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, the the games industry in particular is such a, I think a lot of people, maybe, maybe not so much anymore, but I feel like maybe when it was coming up uh, those last few decades, a lot of people didn't quite understand how it worked. And uh, they tried to get it. There was a story a long time ago about a guy who tried to get Doom on the 3DO. And he thought you could just copy and paste all of the PC files onto a another disc and then put it in your 3DO. And that's how it worked. And it's like, you just wasted a ton of money to buy the rights of this game. Because that's not exactly, that's not at all how it works. Little follies like that, um, I think are super fascinating. And, you know, weirdly common in giant companies is what I've found. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, just... You'd think there'd be some kind of... Yeah, you'd, there'd be somebody in the room to go well, like... Well, I think there's a lot of people in in a lot of rooms. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is that there's a lot of rooms. Yeah, you'd, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, you'd hope that someone's in the room and someone is listening in the <laughs> yes. room and writing it down. Again, we, again I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm only speculating. I have no idea what really happened, of course, but... Uh, Half that, the people working on this thing. Well, everyone who actually worked on this thing knew it was a bad idea, is my guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that's what we we have heard from the little that we've talked to people is that they were jazzed about it. They, you know, oh, there's so much money going into this. Sure, this is going to work. And then they learn about the fact you have to take the game cartridge out. You know, it's underneath the battery and all that. Yeah. It's like, oh, Oh no! <laughs> yeah, and 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 stuff. And we, you're excited to like people just making games. The developers yeah. who just want to make games and want to do it for a cool, neat device. Well, I think Nokia was was actually paying pretty well, is what I've heard. Um, so I think a lot of people making these games were just like taking their paycheck for this oh, stupid thing. Yeah, we have heard a couple of things about like you know some budgets kind of thrown around, not you know enormous. Uh, you know, not like, you know, modern Call of Duty ton of budgets, but you would imagine like, yeah, these are small games made by small teams and doesn't take a whole lot. But I would imagine that the people that made these games, they were able to pay their bills. Hopefully they ate, you know, and had their, got their mortgages done and stuff like that. So there was that at least. Um, but I'm sure that a lot of people that started working on it and then when the release, you know, the unveiling came out and all of that was not going so well, they went, oh, no well, it's Monday. We got to get back to work on this game for a system that no one's going to want to play, but <laughs> the checks keep clearing. So, okay. <laughs> well, and you know, these games just keep coming out, right? I mean, you, you kind of go year by year with the releases. Um, but you know, we're, we're in 2006 and they still release three games. And the thing is just like undeniably dead. <laughs> actually by 2006 they had officially uh the, the previous holiday they had said that it's dead officially like we're not doing any more manufacturing we're shutting down factories and stuff right and, and so i guess so those last few just snuck in as the door closed you know but yeah definitely what you said is correct undeniably dead it was just absolutely shambling <laughs> apparently along. though that that version of civilization was legit a couple of people in the comments have said that like one of the last games that was released was a port of the first civilization and on an engage and also portable like that fantastic way to play that game unfortunately it was dead <laughs> <laughs> i've heard that riffs is good as well but I, I, there I is still a a uh community that plays riffs yeah which makes sense but it, it's a 
for you know there there is a community around the engage if you're interested in the engage that you can go to they have a discord you know you can talk to people and set up set up some games of riffs yeah. learn what that's all about because that's another original engage game i believe mm-hmm. yeah but right? i'm pretty sure yeah i don't think that came out anywhere else came, um, yeah <laughs> but but when we say the engage is dead we're talking about the the physical device one could purchase that is called the engage but engage as a as a brand uh did continue to live on right it yeah and and it became a app which was it was an app or an app store yes basically the their video game storefront that came pre-installed in newer uh nokia phones which is them kind of learning the lesson right yeah, and um, just a little personal anecdote. You 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 showed it briefly in the video, but um, they had a gigantic booth uh, at the E3 where they showed uh, um, the showed it as an app store, and they were showing things that blew my mind, like the the original Resident Evil game that you touch on, and and, and Metal, Metal Gear Solid and stuff. Um, no one was in there the whole show, uh, and it <laughs> oh. it had really nice carpet. Uh, it was really comfy to walk on. Um, oh. It was an excellent shortcut um, yeah. for getting around at E3 was was oh, the, the, the N-Gage booth. Just that cutting year. through the N-Gage booth? Oh, yeah. I did the whole show. Yeah. Did <laughs> you play all of the games just because the lines were non-existent there? I or? didn't play all of the games, no. But I, I said, what the hell? Why is there a Resident Evil on this? And mm-hmm. um if I remember correctly, they actually had like a game controller hooked up to it so that it played like a video game, which is kind of interesting, um, like on a big display. And you just kind of played this janky, slow Resident Evil on it. Yeah, um, a very, very janky, like kind of Resident Evil 4-esque style game. It was yeah. it was Re- Resident Evil Degeneration, a game based on the like CG movie that came out in 2006, 2007, something like that. Um, and, uh, it's very similar to Resident Evil 4 mobile, uh, but Degeneration did eventually come out to iPhone. It's been delisted long ago, uh, but it did come out. However, uh, sorry, Metal Gear Solid Mobile is, continues to be an N-Gage exclusive, and I do not believe it ever left the N-Gage. Um, and so that is an exclusive Metal Gear Solid game, uh, that, only existed on those phones and i would love to get my hands on it but i have not oh you mentioned piracy already you know all those java games are out there yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) we haven't done it unfortunately um you know since engage and interest in the engage is so niche i i feel like you you do have to know your stuff to be able to experience like to like the um the emulator for example one of the best emulators for it it's has a awful name it's like ek2a1 is what it's called (laughs) or something like that i'm so sorry but and it's not even like packaged as a thing you can download it's just something that's up on github and Mm -hmm. you need to like figure it out yourself and i i i am not super technologically inclined i i am usually the person who figures out all that stuff for for us but um, whenever I see something on GitHub, my throat like seizes and I, I just <laughs> haven't done that yet. <laughs> like I, I got good enough at Engage stuff to figure out how to to load special um, MMC cards 
and how to where to put all the files, but actually emulating the rest of it, I've not unfortunately I've not crossed that barrier. We kind of had enough to deal with in terms of getting the video <laughs> done, and we had enough to research. It's sort of like okay, we we only have so many hours in the day. Yeah, we can't we can't worry about solving. Uh, this issue now so it, it is definitely out there but as a warning to anyone listening you need you need to be a specific kind of you know person to you, get you need to have going. some experience uh emulating uh uh j2me java games don't yes don't just jump yeah, in that, blindly for the that's very helpful yeah. though i'm i'm sure that uh, like that again that emulator has a very active discord community and if and, you wanted to go on there and ask for help i'm sure they'd help and you there out. is a treasure trove that is sort of a <laughs> I feel like a largely, maybe not lost, but an underappreciated era of games like pre-smartphone phone games. Um, I don't know that they were ever incredibly popular in their time. Uh, a lot of them are, are I, feel, I feel like only till recent were they even really playable. I think that I feel like the tech for playing a lot of Java stuff has only kind of come around the last uh, 10 or so years i mean it's been around but it's um, becoming more and more uh available, uh, available. yeah it's I, definitely something I, I i have a lot of interest in i think it's less a lack of popularity in its time and more a lack of being able to like physically hold it and see it and be reminded of it um and its existence i mean the reason that so many of the games that have persisted for this long persist is because we it's very easy to get your hands on them um, both physically and otherwise, or to at least be reminded of their existence physically. Whereas, I mean, you know, I mean, if you ask anyone who, I mean, Frank, you probably did play a bunch of old Java games on phones. I mean, you, I did, I did too, but I mean, you were like a journalist at the time. So you probably actually well, we mostly ignored them, but yeah, sure. But I mean, like <laughs> if I, if I pressed you to just name 10 off the top of your head, like, could you do it? Um, Java games like Java exclusive. I, I think I could probably like come up with ten that I remember playing, but not get you the titles. Let's put it that way. Sure. Like, was yeah. that, was that like what 10. you would do? Like uh, the new intern would come in, like ah, put them on the Java games till he gets his sea legs. <laughs> well, that's that's I, assuming I, anyone reported on it at all. <laughs> I was well, I, I was working on on the the business reporting side. I wasn't reviewing games. So uh, at Gama Sutra, you know, we would occasionally get like PR stuff. Um, around java games and uh you know the way they would send the games would literally be they would mail us a phone <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> i was gonna say do people like come to the museum and be like i want to donate this phone um it's, no it's, that it's got has zuma on uh, it uh, actually i do think we have maybe a couple like that but um but it's 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 not a common thing but it is you know it is the only way to preserve this stuff at this point if it hasn't been as if someone still has their old uh, phone with games on it but i think i think i might still have from gamma sutra uh, a cell phone from maybe it was her interactive uh which did games for girls i think i still might have like a phone that they mailed us with three games on it somewhere <laughs> um the mean girls java game uh can be, no, be like nancy finally. drew or something <laughs> yeah oh, okay all right <laughs> No, Mean Girls was an entirely separate project, different studio. Uh, refer to our past episode uh, with Raven Simone for more on the Mean Girls game. Oh yeah! Uh, <laughs> Shout out, producer uh, Robin uh, is is doing a little dance because she likes when we refer to old episodes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to wrap up a conversation about the end gauge other than just being like, you know, what's the sort of legacy of it, right? I mean, it's it. 
I do think it predicted the future in a lot of ways. We mentioned the Stadia, but I, I can think of you know other examples that are similar. I even think of stuff like OnLive, right? Which which was uh, a box that streamed games. You know that that also was predicting a future that we're not quite here with yet. But it also had things like you know clipping moments in the games. It was essentially like the share button and stuff like that. And um, I just. I think what it makes me think of most of all when I think of the end gauge is just how hard it is uh, for an outsider to come in and and accomplish anything in video games. Yeah, even mm-hmm. the biggest companies. I mean, the I think we honestly don't give Microsoft enough credit that they were able yeah. to do it because they're like, I mean, no one else really has been able to. And we're talking Google and I mean, now Amazon has been just mm-hmm. flailing sadly for a couple of years at <laughs> trying to do anything video game related. Um, if, have they canceled every single game that they've started? Am I, am I missing something? I think they've canceled like all of their big games. I think so. And I know a lot of the executives left and that was kind of the last. I, I feel like I just see headlines it. and it's like, still on fire i'm like okay well i'll I'll dive deeper into that later but i I feel like i never hear anything good uh and even i mean even sony being able to come in way back you know in the mid 90s they've just been around for so long and been so dominant for so long that i think it's easy to forget that wow how how crazy is it that that worked and of course they they did have a bit of an end since they were so deep into consumer electronics and where cd-roms and dvds and I mean, it's crazy that, like like you said, uh, like uh, Kelsey, you made the point about Microsoft. Like, you know, Microsoft is a software company, and they got into the hardware game. You know, like Sony, they make hardware, and you know that's where they had to struggle with the software. And the PlayStation One actually was a gigantic success, and maybe that's also something that should be appreciated more of. But like, when you when you read about like the Xbox, it was almost a complete failure. It almost like it kind of shouldn't. Like, thank God for Halo, really was the thing that really kept that thing afloat for a while and until long enough they could get, you know, Ninja Gaiden and, you know, nice, the older public and Halo 2 and other things like that. But like, you know, yeah, Microsoft, Xbox didn't become a profitable brand until well into the 360. And that was even navigating the Red Ring of Death. And so I wonder though, is the question like, yeah, these giant companies um, trying to get into games, is the issue there's too giant and they just kind of throw money and they don't really throw the right talent or take it as serious as they should. Is that the thing that separated Sony from the rest? I, if I had to guess, um, Sony was maybe better than most at actually compartmentalizing that group and letting them be autonomous. I don't know. I have no insight. This is a complete mm. guess. But um, my perception of, of the business world um is that when there's just too many cooks in the kitchen on on something like this uh the right decisions are are really hard to make because you just have too many you know streams to 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 navigate up you know in order to get anything done that um i think that you know that that it's just you know there there's it's it's hard to to make a difference in a, in a, in a big company. And it's, and it's hard to be creative if you are hundreds of different voices uh, without a solid game plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, Sony had a lot more 
going on to like game adjacent leading up to that um mm-hmm. or I- in games in general even um they were yeah that is true that generally trusted Nintendo. by a lot of the companies that they talked to they uh it came at the right time when a lot of companies were starting to get really sick of uh how iron-fisted Nintendo was being with uh Absolutely. you know how they had yeah. to distribute and make their games and all of that. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors going in Sony's favor, I think, in in the era of the PS1. And I think if if you hadn't gotten a PlayStation until, like, the late 90s, I think it might have been a different story. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's just interesting to think about, yeah, like, what Nokia did wrong, what Xbox or Microsoft kind of did right, what Sony did incredibly right. Um, but still, yeah, breaking in, is really difficult. And I think it only got more difficult as there got, there got to be more players. You know, I think Sony's timing was perfect um, because at the time it was, they were the big number three and then Microsoft was kind of the big number four, but then Sega went out and all of that. But like, you know, the engage was just never really going to work the way that they thought it was going to, it was never going to be as easy as uh, they, thought it was going to be but you would think that maybe at the time that like yeah nokia is a gigantic company they can pull this off and it is kind of like i don't know if i'm gonna say humanizing but i think it's very interesting that a company like nokia did not pull it off yeah and i don't know there's 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 countless examples of this that we just don't even see sometimes i mean you know in recent years verizon had a had a fairly serious play into into video games uh, that just went nowhere. Um, but, you know, probably had some good ideas in there. Um, I, and, and that's, that's something that ties a lot of these together too, is like the ideas sometimes are solid. Like the foundational idea is solid. I'm thinking of like the Ouya, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, an, a, oh, yeah. an, a, a, an open marketplace on, on a dedicated device, uh, was a pretty good idea it's just that like putting it on this new device you know that that that's never going to reach uh, enough of an audience for anyone to make money doesn't make any sense but you know how easy is it? nintendo approved a clock you know on yeah. its shop recently like like it was predicting the future uh it just like the end gauge it just couldn't uh, present it mm-hmm. and the oh yeah i feel like that's another 35 minute video that we might have to <laughs> cr- crack into. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that, are, that, that, that was such a, like that had the Kickstarter angle to it as well. Like people weren't even funding the Ouya so much. It's just the idea behind the Ouya. They just wanted that philosophy, uh, that fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that did not end well. No, it did For not. not. <laughs> no. But again, yeah, I guess to bring it around, like I feel sometimes making these videos that we do, um, you know, especially in like the YouTube video game circle, very negative, very cynical, or something like that. It never brings me joy to have to talk about uh, how the Engage flopped, or uh, you know how my number nine flopped, stuff like that. I definitely they definitely make for good stories, and they're fun to research. But I never like I just I you know don't shoot the messenger. I, I'm never happy to report <laughs> that everything went terribly. Well, it's easy to look at something like even you know like a thing like the engage or even some of the games on the engage like tomb raider has a terrible like always on auto run feature yeah like 
like things like that and just be like oh that's terrible like how how could this happen this is so bad it's so broken blah 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 but uh we we like to um on our channel always focus on like wow these people worked really hard on this and there is a nugget of a good idea here mm-hmm. and we wow that should be celebrated well even like Tomb Raider, like you you point out uh in a, in a video that's actually going to be going up by the time this uh video by the time this podcast airs uh you can hit the pound key at any point during uh your, your play of tomb raider and it'll just start recording just at any point you hit pound and then it'll record your gameplay it is that easy to record uh and then upload it you know you know to to uh to your friends send a message to your friends look at my awesome all your other friends with n-gages <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> uh which somebody spent probably a, like a you know a yeah. month a week several months of their life uh programming that and they nailed it and they deserve credit for that and it's like unfortunately they did it for that version of that game on that system so uh i I still think engage is it's it's a really cool device you really can't deny that that port of tony hawk slaps and having (laughs) having tony hawk just in your pocket when you want to do a quick two minute run like yo that's that's not not a bad deal um it's it's just interesting to look at the uh you know the great follies, the great successes, as well as the great follies of well, video I, games. You... I think you guys do a pretty good job of um of putting enough context in there to show that like we're not laughing at this thing. We're not just like here to laugh at the end gauge and its failure. We're like putting the failure in context and I mean you show that it's it's not like it was a bunch of completely clueless people who had a really stupid idea like there were good ideas there there were um you know interesting ideas and and thought behind this and you can see pretty easily why they didn't work out you can maybe even see some of the warning signs up ahead but at the same time it's like no i mean their projections when you put them next to the other information they don't look that crazy like nothing looks that crazy and i appreciate that you guys spell it out in that way and yeah. don't just you know it, we, we, it's we not don't fun laugh to just at, to just laugh at <laughs> but, but yeah. sometimes you do gotta laugh sometimes you gotta go like i know they meant well but in hindsight you can you read it and go wow yeah well there's well, no there's no forgiving the uh price on the bikini babe and uh <laughs> the engage rap and that sort of thing those are we can laugh yeah. at those the, 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 the 11 by 13 <laughs> screen aspect mm-hmm. ratio yeah you know the the tiny the little things it's also fun to remember like remember when booth babes were like all over the place it's not over till the booth babes show up that was a line i was really happy with <laughs> <laughs> man video games video games yeah fascinating stuff yeah very much of its time this thing and i mean i don't know it, it, it i think it's also important to point out that like this product was believed in. It wasn't a. It wasn't like a Gizmondo or a Phantom or whatever. It wasn't like a scam. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was. It was. It was a legitimate. Uh, and a lot of people attempt. are like, "So you're doing Gizmondo next, right?" A ton of comments on that. And uh, well, it's, there's we'll some see. similarities. You know, there's similarities in in the sense that what they went out and did was like get all the game names on this. It was like the most advanced system at the time, sort of. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's quite as compelling of a story. Well, no, I, I, it's, it might it's, be a better story because it's, it's actually a scam. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. compelling story. Yeah, yeah. Actually. Do you guys need to borrow Mike as Mondo? Uh, yeah, probably. Pro- yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. yeah, we'll talk. I guess we did also didn't mention like you know something we didn't. All right, one last thing about the engage. Okay. Uh, again, on paper, I'll allow it. 
<laughs> Thank you, Grace. <laughs> um, they got John Romero to do the port of Red Faction. And Red Faction was kind of like a hot uh, commodity at the time for PS2. But like, how crazy is it to be like, we got the Doom guy on board making an FPS for us. Now, I think Red Faction ended up being a, a very milk toast uh, FPS. And I say like, maybe technically a little more impressive, but gameplay wise and, and, and content wise, nothing you couldn't get better on the GBA. The GBA actually has a fair number of FPSs that outshine this one. However, Ashen is a original FPS, legitimately impressive stuff that that game does. But again, they say we got to get the games. They got to get the right people on it. And they, they knew to get John Romero. I actually thought it was kind of weird that you mentioned that John Romero was met with dead silence at their presentation. Like, yeah, that is it's that's the quote we pulled that from was from Eurogamer. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but I will say that Eurogamers write up in particular of the Engage launch. They were super not down with the Engage. Okay. That article <laughs> reads like a hit piece. But then again, there I I can't blame them for you come to a game convention with that type of, you know, that those type of bullet points, you're going to get pushed back from the gaming press as what are you doing? So, not I, to be and too I think down it them, also but. had to do with, from what I understand, the demo that they showed was pretty lackluster. Yeah, and he was fresh <laughs> off of he was fresh off a of Daikatana was the last thing that he had really been. Oh, that's a very of. fair point. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> I guess John Romero probably I didn't take my shine point as back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, 2003 is also the the birth of the sort of new games journalism uh, moment. <laughs> so I think uh, everyone was writing up these things with a cynical bent yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. And then also Doom 3 hadn't come out yet and nobody had quite realized that no, it was the two Johns that came together to make really good games at id. And when you separated them, you had games that were very ambitious but technically bad. And then you had games that were very technically interesting, but like not very good. Not to <laughs> not to not to hate on Doom hot, 3. Maybe too much. some hot takes. Yeah. Or I'm not sure about your guys' audience. I know for our audience, those are some hot takes. Yeah, saying saying that Doom 3 <laughs> is not all that. Yeah. Um Please direct all of your comments yeah, at directly to us. Don't leave these five yeah, don't leave. This is not <laughs> the official stance of the video game history. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> well, cool. Anything else to say about the end gauge or should we wrap it up? That's about it. But I guess if you want to learn more, you can watch our video. But yes. I feel like we did really, we covered a lot of it here. Yeah. So. But yes, please do. Um, we will link to the video and, uh, to your website and all that uh, in the show notes. So please go check that out. Uh, but audibly, where can people find y'all online? Yeah, we're on, uh, we're Stop Skeletons and Fighting. Uh, we're on YouTube. And, and don't uh, worry, we're the only Stop Skeletons from Fighting. So if you Google yes. that, you'll find us. <laughs> Most people want them to fight. Right. Yeah. Yes, you'll, find, you'll find us. Uh, we're also on Twitter as just Stop Skeletons. We couldn't fit the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, we also have a Patreon that is Stop Skeletons and Fighting on Patreon. Uh, and we also uh, stream occasionally. I've, I, as 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 you're listening to this, I've probably gotten back to streaming. I had to take a break because uh, of the Engage video. I had to really kind of focus on that. But I would love, to, I want to get back to streaming. Actually, I want to stream some Engage games. So yeah, uh, by by the time this is up, there there's the original documentary video mm-hmm. or documentary video that they. Uh, that we've already talked about, but there's also a video where we go over a lot of the gameplay of specific games because you know as 
Nokia said, it's the game's stupid. Oh, yeah, we never so. talked about it. There's a, there's a slide uh, that I think you should try and find the original picture of. It's a Getty Photos. You should have it in your museum, but okay. I'm not so I don't want to tell you how to run your thing. But so there's a slide. We have some Nokia press kits in the in the archive. We might we might have some. We might. Oh, have yeah, there was a slide. Yeah. Yeah. Said it's the game, stupid. And then they proceeded to show off a bunch of Game Boy Advance ports and a couple of PlayStation One ports. <laughs> that was their big launch. <laughs> but yeah, so we we have we have some of those ports on a video, yes. and also Derek. Uh, like we'll probably be live streaming some of that gameplay and that will be archived as well mm-hmm. so you know lot, lots of fun engage party time <laughs> the engage party is not over well yeah. uh, <laughs> thank you again to both of you uh, for joining us on the video game history hour oh thank you for having yeah. us thank you Thanks for listening to the Video Game History Hour brought to you by the Video Game History Foundation. If you have questions or comments for the show, you can find us on Twitter at Game History Hour or email us at podcast at gamehistory.org. Did you know that the Video Game History Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit and that all of your contributions are tax deductible? You can support this podcast and all of our other work on Patreon or at gamehistory.org slash donate. This episode of the Video Game History Hour was produced by Robin Kunamune and edited by Michael Carroll. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.